Welcome to the St George's Leeds Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the talk. Today's reading is taken from Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 56. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Joseph. Thank you, Christopher. Good morning, everyone. On a cold and frosty morning, a very warm and loving welcome to this part of the service when we think together about what God might be saying to us as a church family this Christmas time. It was contemporary carols last night. The church is looking handsome. It's winter wonderland outside. The Advent crown is lit and Advent is here finally. It's time for those bad cracker jokes. Has anyone got any jokes for me this morning? Who knows some good cracker jokes? So Sorchi's got one and Angie's got one. And Steve, have you got one? Oh, Hannah's got one, come on then. And we've got the, the mic. Is it Sally's got the mic? Thank you. Thank you, Sal. There we go. What do you say to the man who saw an advent calendar? I don't know. What do you say to a man who stole an advent calendar? Your days are numbered. Boom, boom. <laughs> very good, very good. Well, what about you've got 25 days? No, no, and your days are numbered are better. Okay. Who's got this one? I think that's you next. Okay. What do you get if you put a bell on a skunk? I don't know, Angie. What do you get? I'm sure you do. <laughs> jingle smells, jingle smells, oh, jingle. Boom, boom. Thank you. And Hannah, you want to do this one? There we go. Why can't Jesus wear jewellery? I don't know, Hannah. Why can't Jesus wear jewellery? Because he breaks every chain. <laughs> well done. Thank you. 
You're right to take that back. Thank you. <laughs> I think we've got Eve to thank for that last one. Thank you. It feels like Christmas has been in the offing since the August bank holiday. And judging by that world-class performance last night, I think they've all been practicing since the halcyon days of summer. As we prepare together to remember what this season is all about, we're exploring some songs from the Bible together and catching what God is telling us about him, about his son, and about his kingdom. So my name's Rosie, and I've been a member of St. George's here for about two and a half years now. Christmas has always been a time of song, even before Mariah Carey was belting out what she wanted for Christmas, even before... I'm laughing at my joke in advance. <laughs> Even before Cliff Richard was choking on his mistletoe and wine. And, oh, thank you. And even before Chris Rear was still trying to find his way home, we had Mary's song. You could say it's the original, it's the first Christmas carol. And in this song, so beautifully read, um, Mary sings of God's mercy what he's done in the past, and she sings of his salvation, what he's doing in the present, and how he's fulfilling his promises. And she looks ahead. She anticipates the upside-down kingdom, how Jesus will turn the world upside down, and in doing so, putting it right. So I'm going to need a bit of a hand as I tell my, my story and as we explore this together. And when I say the words upside down kingdom, if you're able, I'd like you to make some upside down gestures with your hands. So you can roll forward, roll back, and then puts it right. Okay, so upside down kingdom. Jesus turns the world upside down and puts it right. Fantastic. So just kind of it's just a way to keep you awake, really. So, upside down kingdom. Jesus turns the world upside down and puts it right. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Before we think about Mary's response and the upside down kingdom, Jesus turns the world upside down and puts it right. Let me tell you about a time a few years ago when I was leading a church session for five to seven-year-olds. We are doing a quiz and one boy complained, Whatever question you ask, Rosie, the answer is always Jesus. <laughs> he was being both profound and also giving quite a harsh critique of my unimaginative, predictable teaching style. So, this morning, is anyone up for a quiz? Yay! That was the right answer. So, We've got some questions um, on, that will come up on our screen at the moment. Now, they may seem to have an obvious answer, but do they? Unlike University Challenge, I will allow conferring, and I would encourage you to see what your neighbours think. So here we go. Here's our first question coming up. How long was the 100-year war? What do you reckon? So we've got two answers. You can either choose between 100 years or 116. Any, any thoughts? 160. Let's have a look. Which was it? Up oh, 116 years. Okay, well done if you got that right. Our next question, what was the UK's first motor? What do you think before we put the answers up? 
<laughs> so let's have a look at our answers. We've got the M1 or the M6. <laughs> so it was the M6 because it was named after the A6. The M1 came later. Okay, so I reckon you'll know all that. You'll all know this one. Our next question: Where is Leeds Castle? <laughs> is it in Kent or West Yorkshire? I think we all know that one, and I think we might know the next one as well. Where is Bolton Abbey? If you don't know that one, it's yeah. So the answers we've got are Lancashire, where Bolton is, or North Yorkshire. Which one is it? Fantastic. Our next question, here it comes. What color is the Red Sea? Yeah, let's have a look at the answers. Is it blue or is it red? I don't actually know, but I'm just assuming it's not red. Yay, there we go. Okay, thanks to Lydia for this next question. What's the weather like in Chile? <laughs> let's have a look. Is it roasting hot or a bit chilly? A bit nippy. <laughs> and here's another ge geography one. Where is Warwick University? Oh, very good, Claire. Very good. So our two answers, is it in Warwick or is it in Coventry? There we go, it's in Coventry. Well done if you got that one right at home. And our last question, what does a king look like? Oh, <laughs> the answer's always, so let's have a look. Does, what does the king look, could look like Prince Charles or could look like Jesus? Okay, so don't want to labor the point too much, but the obvious answer was never the correct one, except perhaps for chili. I think it could possibly be roasting hot and, to, um, and freezing cold on the same day. It's such a long, big country. So what was the expected answer wasn't the correct answer. And Mary's song, the song that she sings, is perhaps not the song we might have expected from a young girl. She's just found out, or she knows already, that she's a virgin. She's not been long visited by an angel. She's been told she's pregnant, and now she's visiting her, quite frankly, ancient cousin, who also shouldn't be pregnant, and at least Elizabeth was married, albeit to the currently not very chatty Zechariah. And you can read about his fate earlier in Luke's Gospel. But as an unmarried pregnant girl, according to Jewish law, Mary faced the threat of being stoned. She would almost certainly have been publicly humiliated, ostracized by her community, sent to Coventry or Warwick University, if you prefer. Matthew's gospel tells us that Joseph recognized all this and was planning to call off the wedding quietly and discreetly so that Mary wouldn't be exposed to such public humiliation. Joseph wanted to protect Mary and Mary needed that protection. But Mary's song isn't about how everything was doomed I think we might have allowed Mary a song of woe. Woe is me. All these things are happening. A song of confusion. What on earth has happened to me? What on earth is going on? The song she sings is not the obvious song. It's almost the opposite to what we might have been expecting. She sings, 
my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And her song points to the upside down kingdom that Jesus would turn the world upside down and in doing so put it right. Our view of Mary is also turning around, like looking afresh as I have been in preparation for this. I'm not quite sure that she's the quiet, submissive, meek girl with a holy womb that we seem to have created and that we see in European Renaissance art. She's often portrayed as demure, as passive, clothed in blue to symbolize her purity and obedience. And yet this song is an anthem of a revolutionary, albeit a godly and obedient one. It's a freedom song, a state of the nation song. Mary sings, and did you hear these words, of the proud being scattered, the arrogant and the haughty being routed, of rulers falling from their thrones like Ozymandias, and kings being hurled from their seats of power. Mary says, he has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. Now, this song is so powerful that there's some urban legends around it. It's so radical that there's stories around it that, for example, um, the British rule banned it in India, that the dictators in Guatemala and Argentina banned it from being sung. It was too dangerous, too explosive. Um, and if you're a dictator, you might want to ban it too. But whatever the truth, it is true that Mary is singing of a new kingdom and a new king who will spark a movement, an upside-down kingdom that turns the world upside down and in doing so puts it right. It turns her life and it turns your life and my life upside down all over again. So in this song, Mary looks backward and forward. Her song echoes the prophets of the Old Testament. She knew, she knew her scripture. She knew the word of God. It draws on Hannah's song of thanksgiving that we read in 1 Samuel. And Mary's people had been waiting for God to send someone to save them for hundreds of years. As a people, they reminded each other of God's promises and um, his faithfulness when they gathered to worship and when they prayed. Mary sings of God how, of how God has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful of how he remembered Abraham and his descendants. And this isn't some weird random cult event, but something long foretold, long awaited, expected but unexpected. And how amazingly wonderful for Mary to think that the waiting was over and that God's faithfulness was being seen in her. It's no wonder she broke into such an outpouring of praise to him. Some translations put it, my soul magnifies the Lord. She knew that God was doing great things in and through her and that the upside down kingdom turns the world upside down and in doing so, puts the world right. So Mary looks back. She, she looks forward as well. She looks forward to the work of Jesus. Like so often, the Christian message stops at the baby Jesus. Oh, 
It's so cute sleeping in a dirty manger surrounded by animal poo. It's so adorable. It's, it's super sweet. No crying he makes. As part of my day job, I teach and support practitioners to support parents and expectant parents. And one of the things, one of the many things that we tell parents and we help parents to find out for themselves is about the crying. <laughs> Your baby needs you to do everything for them. And one of their only means of communication is crying. They can't say, oh, mommy, please change my nappy. <laughs> or, daddy, I need you to give me a cuddle right now. It's the cry. How else will they be able to communicate with us? And we tell practitioners that your baby, and every single one of us have been this baby at some point, will cry, and will cry incessantly, and possibly kind of like insistently, and will cry especially at three o'clock in the morning, just two seconds after you've put them down. Babies communicate, babies cry. But yet, we've limited and controlled and contained Jesus to being that good, that golden baby who never cries. And in doing so, we deny the reason for his birth in the first place. But Mary looks ahead. She knows that her son is fulfilling the covenant, the promise that God made with Abraham. She celebrates how her son Jesus is the one who's bringing in the upside down kingdom, turning the world upside down and doing so puts it right. And this is in direct contrast with the Roman rule that Mary was living under. By his rule, by Jesus's rule of love and compassion, he'll bring down the proud and bring down the powerful, but more than their downfall, in their place, the humble and the poor, those who are poor in like material things as well as poor in spirit, will be lifted high, exalted even, while the hungry will be filled, the rich will be sent away empty-handed. This new kingdom that Jesus sparks, that Mary sings of, embodies the nobodies. It's for you, it's for me, we're nobodies. <laughs> And that's just how upside down it is. Mary sings of God confronting a selfish world and a selfish people with a selfless love. The upside down kingdom, God turns the world upside down and in doing so, puts it right. The whole point of this song and indeed the whole Christmas message is that Jesus did grow up. And later in Luke 4, just a couple of chapters on, Jesus echoes his mother's words, his mission. The reason why he came into this world as a baby, when he says, the spirit of the Lord has come upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, freedom for visitors, freedom for prisons. So I do a lot of prison visitor work, <laughs> sorry. Freedom for prisoners, recovery of slight sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free. So Mary echoed Hannah's song, and Jesus in his life, with his compassionate healing, death and resurrection from the dead, defeating death and sin once and for all, fulfills Mary's song. There's a chain there, and we're part of that chain. It's amazing and wonderful. And my friends, my dear church family, that's what it's all about. 
It's not about the busyness and the Christmas markets and the presents and the lights and the tree looking lovely and gorgeous and handsome. And yeah, I love to receive gifts and I love to give gifts, but we don't have to be bar humbug and neither is Mary and neither is the Bible. Mary carried the Son of God literally within her, brought him into the world so that we too, by the power of the Holy Spirit, can know the resurrected Jesus. He wasn't just born, but he's resurrected as well. And then we can join with her song of praise, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful. And so with thankful hearts, we thank God for Jesus. Um, and in this world, that for the last time now, he's turned upside down and puts, doing so puts it right. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St George's Lead Sermon Podcast. For more talks or information, visit stgs.org.uk.